Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow. Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today? Well, Dave, we threatened to talk about it last week, so let's do it. Let's talk about including our coworkers and our clients in our sales opportunities. Oh, wait, before we do this, by the way, my kids are doing a fundraiser right now because they um, want their band is going to marching band going to Florida to march in Disney World. So they only have to sell like 5 million chocolate bars. How many can I count on you for? I stopped eating chocolate, Dave, and you don't- I, I'm not asking you to eat. I'm asking you to buy them. <laughs> now that's persuasion, folks. <laughs> you don't need to eat them, honey. Let's deal with the uh, I, the word I can never think of. Uh, arguments, the uh, resistance, the- Oh, crap. Objection? Yes. I can never, ever think of that word. You object to objections, don't you? Yeah, I do object to object. I can't even say it. But anyway, (laughs) like how awkward is it, right? Because you want to support your friends in their new side hustle selling, you know, um, shakes, health shakes. And you want to support the kids with the trombone fundraiser or the Girl Scout cookies. But good God, you know, I don't give a hoot about I'm trying to diet and I don't want to eat Girl Scout cookies. And if I have them in my house, I am going to eat them, even if you tell me not to. Yeah. And. I want to make sure well, I'm just going to tease this one. And we'll come back to it. There's two different scenarios because there's the coworker and then there's the boss. Mm, oh, like you're saying the boss comes to you selling my say, selling the Girl Scout cookies. One of my favorite NYPD blue episodes. So my wife and I binge watch NYPD blue. Uh, I mean, from season one, episode one through season 12, episode 20, and then recycled again, probably five times in a row for a period of you know, however many long that takes That's to do approximately 1250 episodes total five times 20 times yes yeah. yeah well yeah so that's several years yeah that's right? a lot yeah so i i know the show inside and out <laughs> and, and um first of all it's a great show dennis franz does such a great job in character development of sipowitz says from from a drunk like just a hole to you know just really what my grandmother would call a mensch. So, you oh, know, you mean the character arc throughout the ep- of throughout the series? Yeah, it's really yeah, amazing. Yeah. He, he does. He's just just such a fantastic job. Plus, but, Sipowitz is such a cool word to say in your mouth. Oh, which is really funny because at one point, some one one of the characters there is calling him Slipowitz. So it's <laughs> so there's an episode where the lieutenant in the squadron, a lieutenant Fancy. Um, his wife is selling some, you know, one of these multi-level, uh, like uh, it was an Amway sort of thing. And so she asked him to bring it into the office and just offer it. And, you know, and she's like, when you made it clear, nobody had to. Right. And then he's selling to, so Greg Metavoy buys some stuff and then he calls in sick. And then, then he feels bad. Like that maybe he got him sick with the oh. vitamins he sold him. So when Sipowicz comes, he doesn't want to, 
buy, he doesn't want to sell to him, won't sell to him because he's kind of done with it because he feels all uncomfortable. And of course, Sipowitz takes exception because they had some oil and water because Sipowitz was prejudiced and bigoted and, and fancy was black. So, so, you know, there was some oil, you know, going there. And he's like, you just don't want to sell to me because I'm white guy. That, that sort of whole thing plays out. And while as, you know, I've never seen it to that extreme in real life, that kind of pressure actually does occur. Well, and and even when, and you may not, as the boss, even be aware, you know, you may always think, oh, they could just say no, but they, certain people come to jobs and come to roles and human interaction with certain stories they tell themselves that we may not know. So as leaders, as, you know, somebody in a position of authority, even as clients, we need to be aware of the fact that somebody might feel pressure just because of the hierarchical situation of our relationship and they may not feel they have a choice. Yeah, and that I, puts a strain on the future because they you never got to like prove that wrong. Yeah, if if you are in a position of authority and you've never had this happen, then it's just there's those who have and those who will. And what I'm referring to is when you go to somebody who was part of your team and you say, Hey, um, can I get this done? And it's not a high priority thing. Right. It's, and you know, they could say, no, you don't care. Right. And they drop whatever they're doing, which is like the super high priority thing that, that needs to get has a deadline and they do whatever it is you ask them to do. And then they missed a deadline and they blame you for it because they said, you asked me to do this. And you're like, I didn't tell you to drop everything. Right. That's the authority you have as a, mm -hmm supervisor, manager, whatever you want to call it, right? Person in charge. That's the authority you have, whether you say otherwise or not. Right. 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 And being aware of those roles and the potential misunderstandings, assumptions, and stories that come along with it is, is a really important piece of being a great role model. Yeah. You need to be aware of how everybody else views you, views themselves, Etc. So when you bring stuff in to sell, no pressure, guess what? There's pressure. Right. And another point that we have talked about a lot is the importance of being a great role model as a leader. And so the question you want to say to yourself is, am I okay with everybody coming in with their doTERRA and their Girl Scout cookies and their crafts for Christmas and all their sales stuff? to sell to the team because the other thing you're saying is it's okay to do this. Yeah. Well, and that brings up another question. So let's say as a leader, you refrain because you understand that, you know, the suggestion is heavily weighted in your favor that they buy from you. Hmm. Are you okay with letting other people do it? I mean, you personally, what's your thoughts on it? I would say no. You know, that if, that if they want to bring their side hustle into the work environment, it needs to be outside, like to their work peers, it needs to be outside the work environment. I think that's really important because, again, I hate the pressure of being sold to. I immediately get defensive if I feel like somebody's selling to me. Like literally today, somebody messaged me on social media and was like, oh, I'm so inspired by you and blah, 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 all this stuff. And I was like, I looked and she had a multi-level marketing thing. And I immediately unfriended because I knew she was going to sell to me because it was like, we've never talked. You don't know me. And you're saying all this nice stuff like, mm. um, 
So I know that that would make me feel really uncomfortable in the workplace around that person, knowing that perhaps they're going to try to sell me their stuff at any moment or that, um, yeah, that was it that they're going to sell to me at any moment. And I'm going to feel that pressure or are they only interacting with me because they want to be nice and butter me up. So I'll buy their mascara. Like, I don't know. You know, frequently we have these conversations and we are of different perspectives on things. We are a hundred percent in lockstep on this one. A hundred percent in lockstep. It's, it's even more insidious, right? That that's an aspect and bad enough if that was all there is, right? Because that, that, uh, totally negates or, or erodes is a better word, team cohesion. Um, that's. But in addition, think about this. If you're allowing that to go on, what are people not doing? Well, they're not doing the job. They're right. doing other things, yeah. right? They're distracted. And then once team cohesion goes down because of this, right, then you get bad feelings and all the, you're trying to build up this, team that loves working together that trust each other and you just threw a grenade in that well yeah exactly we want to build that trust that i know that you are working as hard as i am and if i know you're working on your side hustle while i'm plugging away and covering for the stuff you're not doing that like you said that team of cohesion goes right down because i know you're not doing as hard a work as i am so you mentioned it a minute ago but i just wanted to well my computer's now blowing up with noises that didn't do like Wow, I love when that happens. Um, uh, not at the workplace, not at breaks, mm-hmm. right? In other words, if I have enough of a relationship with you where I could pick up the phone and say, hey, my my son's raising you know uh, money for a band trip and do you want some candy or, right? That's great. It's not at the office. Call you at night. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, if you feel like, or you're in an environment, maybe you're in an environment where you have a lot of part-time people who do have other things going on. Maybe you create an evening craft fair or an evening, you know, social networking thing where if somebody does have a side hustle, they can bring it there. And it's, you know, what we're doing to support each other. Um, But create a forum where it's appropriate to do so that they're not trying to do it at work. Yes. Now, folks are probably sitting there going, what's this have to do with persuasion? Well, one, you got to be really good at persuasion to sell your crap. But um, (laughs) we'll deal with that on a future episode. How to sell your crap to people who don't want it. Right. Actually, we'll never deal with that. We will never do that episode. Thank you for clarifying that. That's an episode we'll never do. As soon as it came out of my face, I was like, Dave, clarify that, that we're not going to do that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I heard you. I heard you. Right. But how does it affect your ability as a as a leader if you if you allow that environment to go? Well, I mean, I think it's obvious if you're creating that environment and you're the one that's build, bringing that discomfort and that unnecessary pressure into the environment, people aren't going to trust you. And again, you're being that crappy role model. So if they don't trust you and they think like, oh, well, he's just trying to sell his wife stuff while he's here they're not going to be persuaded and motivated by you and your leadership. Um, Yeah. And and frankly, even if you're not selling it, if you've created that environment or allowed that environment to uh, exist, 
what you're really doing is attacking people's safety and security needs. Right. You know, we've talked about Maslow's hierarchy. People feel insecure. Oh, am I going to be accosted? Am I going to be pressured? Am I going to, right? That's a lack of safety. And if yeah. we want people to be self-actualized, we want people to take the bull by the horns and enjoy what they do and be pro proactive and engaged. We need to create a safe environment. And I know two weeks ago, you, you said I didn't like that term, but see, you're wrong. Because um, I didn't use the word space. Yeah, there you go. Space is only followed by cowboy. We're good there. Uh, Isn't that Clint Eastwood? Uh, those that cowboys movie. wasn't that yeah. like three or four of the like classic awesome old actors? Yeah, it was uh, Clint Eastwood, uh, James Garner, um, uh, Tom, uh, uh, well, well uh, the uh, Tommy Lee Jones, Tommy Lee Jones, thank you, and Donald Sutherland. Donald oh Sutherland. yes, Donald. Yeah, Donald my friend Sutherland. Megan's dad looked like Donald Sutherland. He was the most fun person. I loved him. Spent New Year's Eve with him one night. Not just him and me. It was his mom was there. Her mom, her mom and her dad and her sisters and I just happened to be there. It, never mind. I'm Team Daedalus. What? Team. Yes, Daedalus. that's right. Team Daedalus. I think I just saw that movie recently. It's good. But anyway, Safe Space. No, Space Cowboys. Yes. Go ahead. Well, but and as we talked about on that episode. <laughs> My brain goes fast sometimes. Caffeine is good. Um, as we talked about on that other episode, as, as far as that safe environment, is, it all comes down to that trust. Do I trust that I'm not going to be put in a position I don't want to be in? And if we're going to persuade people, if we're going to have them engaged in their work and motivated and sticking around and buying into the ideas that we're trying to sell them, whether we're selling to our clients or selling to our coworkers, they've got to trust that we have their best intentions at heart. Yeah. And while I liked your idea, like, okay, we could do something at night or something, you know, off work hours. Personally, why I see no plus to putting the brain power to do to, to create that. Well, and and that was in a unique situation where you had a bunch of people who might have a side hustle because this is only part time and let's create a networking opportunity that's fun and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, again, that was you're right. I, I wouldn't say every company should do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else we want to cover with regards to this? To this. I love it when Philly comes out. Uh, I think we nailed this one, Dave. Awesome. So how many chocolate bars can I count on you for? Four. I'll give them back to you for your holiday gift. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do that when I was three. I stole my brother's pens and pencils out of his drawer and wrapped them and gave them back to him. And my logic was, hey, he bought them in the first place, so he would like them. You know, you were sharp at three. I think that's a very thoughtful gift. I'm a thoughtful person. Or at least I was at three. No, I'm buying, just a buy, Buying something they already bought for themselves. You know they're going to like it. Especially after they find them missing. Like, damn it. Where'd all my pens go? Now I got to buy new pens. And then they get this gift of new pens. It's like, it was, it was meant to be. My 11-year-old nephew just was told this story and he asked me when I was there for Thanksgiving. He goes, did you really give dad his pens and pencils for Christmas to him? And I said, yeah, I did. I was really little though. Did your you brother know? Did your brother know? Like oh, yes, of course. Because they're all chewed on crappy six-year-olds pencils and pens. They're not like the nice ones. The pencils, the number two knew. pencils with the crushed erasers from chewing on oh, Yeah, them. right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, love it. Awesome. All right. Have a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and uh, we'll see you in 2023. See you next year, everybody. 
That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at LockedOnLeadership.com. And this is Ann Bonney at YourChangeSpeaker.com. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them. Yeah.